The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So grateful that you're with us wherever you are. We know here that togetherness isn't just about being close together physically. It's a consciousness that we cultivate with one another, and we're so grateful that you're a part of cultivating it with us this evening. So good and grateful to be with Reverend Simon and Reverend Masando, Reverend dudes tonight, there fellas. Uh, <laughs> so many dudes in the house right now. <laughs> so great to be here. And we've been beginning these with some living room conversations. And, you know, we're, we're all guys. We're all ministers. We're all husbands married to spiritual practitioners. And I just thought we might talk a little bit about what we all have in common tonight and just see how each of you is kind of balancing uh, your, your roles as uh, dad, uh, teacher, all, all of those things. I'll tell you, it's uh, interesting. I mean, for me, I feel like I'm always on. And uh, my wife is a school teacher, and she's been working from home. And it has really given me a new appreciation of what she does. She works with uh, preschool-age kids. And I hear her in the morning having to get on the computer, onto whatever technology they're using, and singing to the kids, and trying to get these little kids, you know, okay, sit back from the camera. Okay, you have to turn your mic on. And, and of course, the parents are there to help. But um, it has helped me see a side of my wife that... I otherwise would not have gotten the chance to see, which has been really pretty awesome. I've had that too, you know, that ability to uh, appreciate one another in our everyday lives where we may be separated from one another at times too. Yeah, appreciate or get on each other's nerves or whatever that is. You know, I mean, I I can't imagine another human being uh, than my wife, Rebecca, that I'd want to be quarantined with. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, this is the most time we've spent together you know, since we've met, right? Just sort of this nonstop, we're together all the time. Uh, and there definitely have been some times where, like, I we I think we've just kind of gotten annoyed by each other, right? Or I'm a little bit snappier. Or, uh, you know, just something will just annoy me enough to where I'll, I'll, I'll say something and it won't, it won't be nice. Uh, luckily, I have a very graceful wife <laughs> mm-hmm. who is able to just mirror back to me. Uh, she's like, you know, I think um, we're probably spending a lot of time together uh, and we're probably getting on each other's nerves a little bit. Let's just be gentle, a little more gentle. Could you just be a little more gentle right now? I'm like, yes, that is, yes. So, you know, she's ministering to me uh, in many ways right I now. I am being gentle. <laughs> being gentle right now. Go take a walk, Masanda. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I, it's real. Like, I think we do have to be gentle with each other. I think all of us, you know, this is a new thing. This is a new thing for us to be uh, spending so much time together. And there's going to be tremendous gifts in it. You know, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're going to be closer. We're going to see some sides of our family members that we probably don't get to see. And there's gifts in that. And we're probably going to have some flare ups uh, in the midst of it. And just to know, like. It's going to happen, and so how can we be honest enough? How can we be forgiving enough? How can we be gentle enough with ourselves and with each other to walk through this time and know it's not going to be perfect, it's going to be a little bit messy, and that has to be okay. Well, well I love that. I mean, there's steps for all of us in that to um, be forgiving, 
to be gentle with yes. these, ourselves and one another. And I love what you said about being honest because that's something that can happen in my relationship. If, if something's maybe bugging me, I'll, I'll sometimes hold on to it. And as opposed to having that honest, direct conversation, you know, passive aggressively, you know, blow up while uh, eating a popcorn that. or whatever it is, you know. And so it's good to have these steps to of where we respect one another's boundaries, but also you are genuine and, and honest about what's going on for us when we're living uh, with a, a partner or with uh, pets or uh, two teenagers as two well teenagers. for you, Reverend Simon. Yeah. See, you know, for me, it's in some ways it's like summer, right? Because it's summer, my wife is off and the kids are at home. So in some ways, it's not that different. However, normally in summer, the Zach and Sarah would be going out, going off. And I have to acknowledge there have been a couple of times where one or both of them have not observed stay in place and have kind of drifted off. And it's like, hello, we're in a different time now. You, you got to stay at home. Sorry, I know you want to be away from mom and dad, but you got to stay at home. So it's, it's eye-opening. Yes, you know, and keeping those boundaries in, in place. And, you know, I think with all of our relationships, it's important that we don't forget to love our partners you know, to take that time to, you know, sit in the morning. And I, I'm the first one to admit I need to do a, a better job of this, of saying, you know, how can I best love my spouse today? What can I do? Uh, and it may, you know, I can't go out and get something perhaps, but maybe it's that that touch on the back that says, is everything okay? Or, you know, I just want to tell you how much I love you. And sometimes if we are in battle mode at home, you know, trying to get space or whatever it is, it's good just to let that melt. And uh, just like you said, uh, you know, you make me want to be a better quarantiner, whatever it may be. <laughs> uh, I, love, I that, love that line about the quarantine that you shared about uh, Rebecca. Yeah. And, and, you know, how can I be a loving presence? And how also can I allow myself to be loved? Right. I, I think that's something I learned through this marriage through this relationship that was kind of confronting for me right that someone could care about me so much that they are honest with me that they are continually giving me this unconditional love and support and sometimes that is a lot right like sometimes being loved is a place that stretches me as well being loved by and um you know not just my wife but like family members all of us that are seeking to make connections right now sometimes just like yeah answer the phone you know like and receive just as much as you're giving right now sometimes that can be really hard too because uh, i just want to go and in my minister role i want to be the person that is taking care of people and it's so it, it's been a good reminder that oh yeah like i have to also allow that in right now that it's a unique time in 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 which we're all having to take care for each other and sometimes we'll be taking taking the role of the caretaker and sometimes we'll be taking the role of the person needs to be taken care of so that humility that comes uh with this time i think is is really beautiful uh and something that i know notice i have to work on like oh yeah i got to take off this hat where i'm trying to do everything and just allow myself to be allow myself to be more vulnerable allow myself to be more real with how i'm really doing mm -hmm. uh which can be hard for me too sometimes to access that how I'm actually doing. That's beautifully said. So it's not just how can I best love my partner today, but perhaps how can they best love me and not getting totally. too into harebrained ideas, but to be able to be, be willing to be loved because, you know, like you were saying, Simon, for a lot of us, when we're working at home, we feel we have to be on at all times. And that, that can start to break one down when you're not opening yourself to be supported by um, your loved ones that you, that you care about at home. Yeah, I think it is real important to, you know, what are my boundaries 
and how am I taking care of myself? I mean, it's that, that often overstated uh, thing with the airline, you know, make sure you put your mask on first. Because if you don't, you can't give what you don't have. Make sure you pour your glass of wine first. Yes. <laughs> Make sure the bottle is left open. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's important to, to love each other. And when we're in home, whoever's there, whether it's your, your pets, your children, or your family too, um, make sure you get that alone time, but realize that you're all in this together. And so perhaps even if we haven't tried it before, maybe spiritual practice as a family is something that we need to look at. You know, checking in once a week, how's everyone doing? And, you know, making sure that we're not um, getting into isolation uh, on our own, even in, in our relationships. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because I'll I'll take my space, right? So our we have an eight hundred fifty square foot house. So we don't have a ton of space, but I'll take it, and I'll notice when I'm going like that line. It's a fine line between taking the space that I need, so you know that I can stay centered uh, and sane as a human being, but also know when I'm kind of isolating, when I'm kind of cutting myself off, when I'm diving into phone or whatever other distraction uh, that that could be wanting to take my attention because I don't want to really uh, touch in with what's actually going on and so that's really important to just notice for me and that's part of my spiritual practice is am i taking space and creating a boundary for health or am i doing this as sort of a neurosis to try to escape what's something that's going on inside myself right now yeah yeah and it's even though we're in a challenging time in the world today there's no reason that we as individuals and in our relationships can't be thriving and can't say, hey, even in this challenging time, um, we're going to look back on this time and and know that this made us stronger than ever. Uh, we're going to intentionally love each other more than we ever had before. And we're going to make the, the best of this, whatever may become or may, may be. And that's a big challenge. It's a hard to live up to. But if we could just take it one day at a time to consciously love one another, consciously love ourselves, uh, and um, take time to, to give thanks on our quarantine mates, for sure. We had a, an interesting experience yesterday. So it was Zach's 19th birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Zach. Happy Zach, birthday, Happy bud. birthday, Zach. And so that was a chat like, well, how are we doing this? We can't have anyone over. We can't go out. And, you know, he's 19. He wants to have a big party or a party, have friends over, his girlfriend over. So we did the Zoom thing. You know, we had family out in Oregon, uh, and we Zoomed him in, and I made a cake. And, you know, we, did, we had some takeout food from one of the places that is still doing, you know, pickup. And uh, we made it. We we adapted, and we and you know it was actually it was a really nice birthday. It was really cool, and you know we adapted. Yeah. Well, uh, Simon, I love the man you are, uh, but in particular, I love the the husband that you are and the father that you are. How I see you love your your kids and Masando. I love the man you are, the minister you are, the husband you are, and uh, you're going to be a great dad. You already are. You're making me weep. Hey. Yeah, you're making me tear up. <laughs> it's true. So we're, we're so grateful that you're here with us tonight. We've got an incredible follow-up message from our own Reverend Simon, and let's go right into it. Well, good evening. Peace and blessings. Thank you so much. So much gratitude to Tom, Kent, Mike, and Susan. The music that they provide is such a phenomenal support for this service and for this congregation. Thank you for all who are here for, uh, in production, uh, who are running things again the support really makes a difference. So Dr. Ernest Holmes, the founder of this teaching, said that there is one thing that is at the center 
of all our problems. One thing. Do you know what it is? The belief in separation. That's what Dr. Ernest Holmes felt was at the center of our problems. The belief in separation. A belief in separation from God, from each other, from the rest of creation, from ourselves. So I want to explore this idea of separation, this belief in separation, through story. Not by telling a story, but by taking a little look at the the actual structure of story and seeing how it applies to our experiences now. So, for a moment, think about your favorite story, the greatest story you know of. Maybe you experienced it in a book, maybe as a movie, maybe as a play, maybe on TV, whatever. But the greatest story, a story that you remember, a story that impacted you, a story that you felt, that you resonated with the characters, a story that maybe, maybe even transformed you a little and, and changed you. Okay, do you have it? Okay, now let me, let me try this. Let me guess. It goes something like this. We meet the protagonist, the main character of the story, and we find out a little bit about what their normal is. Now, different stories will have very different normals. Those normals can be peaceful and easy, or those, pe- those normals can be hectic and crazy, but it's the norm that that character experiences. And then something happens. And that character's world is rocked, is changed. is changed in a way that they have to respond to. Now their inclination is to try and get back, try and get back to normal, get everything back into place. But that's not how it works. Typically what will happen is they, as they try and address this, this conflict, you know, whatever it is that rocked their world, there will be this sense of tension. And they'll try and they'll fail. And typically in Western literature, they'll try again and fail. But now there's more tension, more pressure to, to figure it out, to get a new norm. And then on the third time, they try and there's epiphany. There's revelation. The aliens are vanquished. The bad guy is defeated. The main character gets the guy or the girl or whatever it is. And then after that, we sort of tie up some loose ends. And we get a new sense of that character's new normal. And in a good story, in a story of transformation, that new normal is is somehow higher is somehow evolved beyond the old normal. The character didn't go back to an old normal. They got transformed and created a new normal. Now, I know what you might be saying. You might be saying, wait a minute, Simon. I thought of a story that you know, it didn't work out better for the character. It was a tragedy. So, you know, what's up with that? Well, all right, let's take, let's take a classic tragedy like Romeo and Juliet. See how it plays out. So there they are. They've got their norm. They're doing their things. Their families have been squabbling a bit, but they've got their norm. And then something happens. They meet. They fall in love. Well, the tension builds. They try and work it out. They try and work it out in different ways, but the tension builds. Conflict arises. Tension builds. Tension builds. And then 
resolution. But alas, they're both dead. So how in the heck was that a greater realization? Well, if you're familiar with Romeo and Juliet, and the same applies to many tragedies, there's a lesson at the end. Here's how Romeo and Juliet ends. The prince serves as a narrator, and he speaks to the audience and says, A glooming peace this morning with it brings. The sun for sorrow will not show his head. Go hence to have more talk of these sad things. Some shall be pardoned, some punished. For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. See, it's not the characters in this case that were transformed. It's the audience. It's the listener. The listener is invited to go talk about these sad things. Go take the lesson from this story. So always, in a good story, there's transformation. So, how does this apply to us? Well, our lives are stories that are unfolding. Our lives follow this same classic, time-tested pattern. I mean, think about it for a moment. Typically, all of us, in our own way, try and establish this baseline, this norm that we have, our day-to-day routine, whatever it is. And that may be different for all of us, but we have our norm, our way of going through life. And then often, something happens. We have to deal with it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't like it. We wish it hadn't happened. In fact, we want to do anything we can to do to get back to normal. Let me just get back to normal. Why did this thing happen? It's inconvenience. It annoys me. It's messed up all my plans. Ah, we have just received an invitation to transformation. And if we're like many of the characters and many of the classic stories, we do what we can to address, to fix, to change that conflict that has arisen, to relieve that tension, because it's not a comfortable place to be. And often we may fail, we may be thwarted in our efforts, the thing just keeps happening and happening again. But this pressure that is mounting, the pressure that we feel, the tension, the anxiety we feel is actually a good thing. It's actually energy that is attempting, that is available to drive us to transformation. That anxiety, that that tension we feel in our lives, it's like, imagine pushing down on a spring. Just pushing, and it's getting tenser and tenser and more contracted and harder. But energy is being stored. And when there's enough energy stored within that conflict, There's the possibility of release and it pushing us over the threshold of transformation. And we see things newly. We live our lives in a new way. A new opportunity opens for us. But here is where we often mess it up. We don't like that tension. When something happens in our life and and everything's been thrown into chaos and disarray, it is not comfortable. We don't like it. So what do we tend to do? We tend to try and go back to normal, back to the way it was. And we do that in a variety of ways, right? We, we go into denial, we repress it, we ignore it, we tell lies about what's going on. Or we distract ourselves, we go shopping. Well, not anymore we don't. 
but we go watch a lot of TV or we drink or we smoke or we do whatever we do to try and get rid of that tension. And in doing that, we potentially rob ourselves of the energy that will drive us to transformation. We need that energy to get us over that, that threshold of resistance and truly bring about some new change in our, in our lives. See, though our tendency is to, to go back, what we really need to do is push forward. We don't need to check out. We need to lean in. We actually, and you just got to trust me on this one, we don't need less pressure. We need more. And we need to use that pressure. So that is really the first thing I want to say to you. When you find yourselves in the time of conflict and anxiety and tension, it's an opportunity to ask yourself, all right, what is being asked of me? How can I use this situation? How is this situation driving me towards some greater realization, some greater possibility? And there won't necessarily be a clear-cut answer. Sometimes you just got to trust and lean into it and say yes. So let's get back to this idea of separation that Holmes talked about. Stories tend to have their own momentum, right? It's easy to get caught up in a story, to get lost in the story, especially when it's a story that you're living, when you're the main character. It's easy for us to get lost in our stories. And it's easy for us to think that our story is somehow happening just to us. That it's somehow happening in isolation. It's somehow happening independently. And that only contributes either very overtly or very subtly. It contributes to that idea, to that experience of separation. But here's the thing. Your life, your story is not happening, happening independently. Your story is a very important, dynamic, ever-changing part of a greater story that is being told. And never, for most of us, never has that been more evident than now. I mean, think about it. Probably, most of us, were doing our own thing, living our own lives, you know, getting up, going to sleep. We had our routine. We're going to our jobs, doing whatever it is we do. Going away on the weekend, doing our relationships. And then something happened. COVID-19 happened. Something happened at the level, not of the individual story, but the global story. And we all now, all of our stories have converged on this event that is playing out very differently for all of us. There are billions of stories that are being unfolded. But more than ever, we have this opportunity to realize how we are part of this greater unfolding story. 
So what do we do? Well, here's a question. Are you pulling back? Or are you leaning in? Are you trying to get back to normal? Are you, can you, just, you just can't wait until things get back to normal? Gang, they're not getting back to normal. Rather, are we consciously participating in driving to transformation individually and collectively to create a new and better normal. Here's the thing. Your life, my life, is part of a universal story that is being told, that is being whispered into existence by the Beloved, by God, by Spirit, by Consciousness, whatever words you want to use. We are threads within a sacred, greater story. We are individualized expressions of that one. We are literally the process of God revealing God to God's self. And this something greater that we're participating in, Holmes talked about. Holmes, and I mentioned it last week, Holmes, we, we often quote this, there's a power for good in the universe greater than we are. Not separate than we are, not other than we are, but greater than we are. We can use it, it can use us, and we are participating, co-creating this great story together. So I want to leave you with an invitation if you want to acknowledge, to experience the sacredness of your life, then I invite you every day, in whatever way is appropriate for you, to take some time to pull back from the drama of your story, from the specifics of your story, from however your story is unfolded, whether in this moment you are experiencing a comedy or whether you are experiencing tragedy. Take some moment, take some time, and for a moment, try and have the perspective of the witness, the author, the actor, the storyteller. Are you happy with how the story, your story, is unfolding? Do you like the role that you're playing? Do you like how you've developed your character? If not, then how can you rewrite your story? How are you being called to show up differently? Are you calling to a, being called to a bigger role? A more compassionate role? A more mindful role? This is an amazing story with all its beauty and its joy and its loss and its tragedy. And your story, your life is absolutely essential to how it unfolds. Every day, you and I have a choice. Will we be carried away 
Will we be lost in the story? Will we be like some cork that's being pulled down a river, bouncing this way and that? Or, through our choices, through our mindful, compassionate, intentional choices, will we participate in writing the greatest story ever told? It's your choice. And so it is. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.